guys, what is good? This is Morgan Mueller coming at you with the Joy and Hope podcast, where we seek to bring light to the dark. We actually have each of these episodes begin as a YouTube video. So if you would like to watch the original content on YouTube, search my name, Morgan, M-O-R-G-A-N, Mueller, M-U-E-L-L-E-R, on YouTube, look for the Joy and Hope logo. But otherwise, thanks for being here. Enjoy the podcast. Hi, guys. Morgan here bringing you another episode of Joy and Hope. I feel like I'm about to explode. Like There's just so much going on in my mind and in my heart and so much that I want to say and I want to share, but I'm also completely overwhelmed right now because I don't know who decided that today was just going to be super busy in town. It's the day after Easter. I'm like, what the heck? I thought people were supposed to be off today slash the coronavirus is happening. So why are there so many people out? But you know what? Praise God, because I miss people. So you're going to hear a lot of cars going by probably in the background um, right outside. There went a side by side. So particularly loud (laughs) vehicle. There are trains that go by my apartment. So we're just going to have a great time, guys. And just welcome wherever you're at because this is life and praise God for it, right? So as always, let's go ahead and get started with prayer and ask Jesus and Mary to lead this train. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Totus tuus Maria ego sum. I am totally yours, Mary. So as you guys might be able to tell, hopefully, the quality of this video is much better than any of the previous episodes because I have felt like the last several videos, if not all of the videos, are slightly fuzzy and there's this weird background noise that I've started noticing, especially as I've started making these videos into podcasts. I feel like there is this weird static in the background and thanks be to God, a lot of friends and listeners have said they don't notice it, but I notice it. And so it's going to bother me if we don't do something about it. So I'm hoping that the quality of this will be improved through using my phone instead of my laptop, since my phone is significantly newer than my laptop. So we'll see. Let me know how the quality is comparatively. First thing shout out to some people after last week's video. So yes, the reference was from the electric company, the hey you guys entrance that they always used to do. And technically Luke Ritter was the first one to get it, though he did not guess it right on the first time and needed a lot of help. Uh, Peter Roth and Grace Halfman then commented saying that they knew the reference or is it the electric company? And yes, you are all right, though Luke got it right first, though he had help. And you're welcome, Luke. So thanks for commenting, guys. Super appreciate that. Also, a special shout out to patron, new Join Hope patron, Stephen Bleckler. Thank you so much for becoming a patron. Your support is so appreciated and God bless you. 
Steven is the 22nd Joy and Hope patron. I am at 22 patrons right now. And if you've been following along, I had done a Lenten challenge to gain 40 patrons in 40 days. That goal wasn't met by Easter Sunday, which is what I was hoping for. But the other day, the Lord kindly revealed to me that, in fact, the Easter season lasts for 50 days. Therefore, I have until the end of May for God to provide that goal for me. He doesn't have to if he doesn't want to. But I just thought it was kind of funny that he pointed out, well, Morgan, Easter's not over by a long shot. So I wanted to remind you of all of that and have actually slightly altered this goal of mine. So my two new goals are to have 1,000 subscribers on YouTube by May 31st, so Pentecost Sunday, and then to have 50 patrons on Patreon by that same day, so by the end of the Easter season. So we are now doing a new patron push here at Joy and Hope, 50 patrons, 50 days. So please, if you haven't already, consider becoming a patron. The current lowest membership tier is $3 a month. And not only will you be supporting us here at Joy and Hope, you will also get to be a part of the creative process and help me decide what merchandise to begin with, what topics the videos should include, and all sorts of fun stuff like that. So please, please consider becoming a patron. Their support means so much to me and to have them as part of this whole process has been incredible and so rewarding and so special. So thank you again to all of those who have decided to become patrons. If you haven't already, please consider doing so and know that no matter what state you are in life, um, if you are being called to give, like God will allow that to happen. I have several friends who are college students who are currently patrons. And I mean, we all know that as college students, we're broke. Um, so please feel free to give out of the goodness of your heart and not to be afraid. Um, and also to think of it as what do you treat yourself to every month? Like for me personally, I'm not a Starbucks person, but I know that a specialty drink is around $3 and we all know that we don't get to go to Starbucks as often anymore. So not saying that you should replace Starbucks with joy and hope, but think of it like that. Um, we don't often think about like getting ourselves like a specialty treat once a month, if not once a week. Um, so $3 a month to join Hope hopefully doesn't break the bank, but I will leave that up to you and your discernment. But again, thank you all, all so much patrons who have already um, said yes to this mission. And for those who will in the future, God bless you. Thanks so much. All right. Um, I think those are the shout outs. So without further ado, let's get started with today's topic. So maybe you clicked on this video because you were intrigued. Maybe you're like, what the heck is she possibly gonna say about this? Kissing and the Eucharist? Like what? Hopefully, if you are at all intelligent and you're like, what is she possibly gonna talk about? Well, kissing was part of the title and the Eucharist is part of the title. So we're probably gonna talk about those two things. And if that's where your train of thought went, congrats friend, you're right. We are gonna talk about those things and specifically how I kind of see that they go together. And I'm gonna start that by sharing a little bit 
about my last few days with all of you. So I don't know if any of you were really following along, but on the different Joy and Hope social media platforms on Wednesday, I posted that I was going to be turning my phone off completely from Wednesday at midnight until after the vigil mass on Holy Saturday, which is roughly going to end around 10, like between 1030 and midnight, depending on what mass you attend slash this year live stream. So roughly 72 hours, okay, with no access to the world in the sense that I would use my phone. And I was actually really excited about this because I tend to be someone who loves silence and loves praying in silence and listening to the voice of God speak to my heart in that way. But I guess what I hadn't realized in the last month or so since this whole COVID-19 pandemic began was how much of a blessing my phone has been since it has largely been what I've connected with people through. Suddenly not having that, I felt very alone and isolated. But at first I was like, but that's okay because I still have God. Like I still have Jesus, like nothing can take him away from me. And even though it's been breaking my heart not to get to go to mass in person, I've been live streaming masses almost every day. And that has really helped me feel like I'm a part of a community and like still and spiritual communion. If you're familiar with that at all, is this special prayer you can pray anytime, anywhere. So even if you can't receive Jesus in the Eucharist, you can still be asking him to become present in your heart and in your soul, just as if he was truly there in the Eucharist, like when you receive him in communion. And I guess just with all of those things, I haven't really felt alone since the COVID pandemic started. But last week on Holy Thursday evening, I was going to be live streaming mass. And for those of you who aren't really familiar with the Easter Triduum in the Catholic Church, it's the shortest season of the church of the liturgical year. And it's only three days long and it consists of Holy Thursday, Good Friday and Holy Saturday. So Holy Thursday being the day where we remember that Jesus has instituted the Eucharist and he's instituted the priesthood, both of which occurred at the Last Supper. And I don't really know why, but in the last several years, I've only started attending the Triduum services for the first time. That wasn't something that my family ever did growing up. And so I wasn't familiar with these different masses slash services because on Good Friday, it's not a mass. It's specifically just a communion service because on that day, when we remember that Jesus's sacrifice occurred on the cross, that's not done at a mass that day because that overshadows the necessity of having mass because at every mass, the priest makes present again, the sacrifice of Christ on the cross during the consecration, during the part of the mass, it's called the liturgy of the Eucharist. So in the last several years, I've started attending Holy Thursday mass, Good Friday service, Holy Saturday Mass. Okay. And for whatever reason, Holy Thursday has just become my favorite all-time Mass. I just love Holy Thursday so much. I can't even really tell you why. I just 
love it. It's just really beautiful and really special. And especially after last year, I had such a profound experience at Holy Thursday Mass because at the end of that Mass, the priest takes Jesus from the tabernacle where he usually resides and they take him off to a side altar. It's called the Altar of Repose. And there you can be with him as if you were with him in the Garden of Gethsemane the night before his passion. And at least in our parish church, it's so beautifully decorated and it looks like a garden. And I just really, really enjoy that prayer experience and being with Jesus on the darkest night of his life. And also just really like the mass that leads up to it. I don't know. I don't know. But this year, I just, I knew it was going to be different because I had such an incredible Trudum experience last year. And so I knew going into it, it was going to be different, but I didn't know how much so. And it wasn't until I started live streaming this mass last Thursday by myself in my apartment and was watching on the screen as our priest and deacon and seminarians were receiving Jesus in the Eucharist and I wasn't. And I have never felt so alone. And I just wept. I just cried. And I realized in that moment how much I missed Jesus. Because it's true, when you are when you are baptized into the church, the Holy Spirit, the life of God enters you. In the sacrament of confirmation, that is done to the full. And every time that we receive Jesus in the Eucharist, we receive God into ourselves in a way that is so much greater than just praying in our rooms or just saying a prayer for spiritual communion or just praying with his word or living out good deeds, all of which are important and totally necessary. But the ultimate union with Christ occurs in receiving him in the sacrament of the Eucharist. And it wasn't until Holy Thursday night last week where I realized what a lack that has caused in my life. And I just wept. And I felt so alone, not only because I didn't have my friends and family around me, not just because I wasn't in this church surrounded by my family in Christ, not only because I was sitting alone in my apartment, but because I couldn't receive Jesus. And I just cried. And I have an example for that, which is where the title of this video comes from. So several years ago, I first had this inspiration come to mind for how I felt like kissing was very comparable to the Eucharist. Because I think as Catholics, 
what sets us apart from all other religious denominations and even other Christian denominations is we believe that Jesus Christ has instituted the Eucharist at the Last Supper, that he leaves us his own body, blood, soul, and divinity in this sacrament, and that it is necessary for heaven and for salvation. And so I think that other Christian denominations, um, historically, largely whom have begun since the Protestant Reformation in the 1500s, when Martin Luther, who was a Catholic, sorry, don't quote me on this. I don't remember if he was a priest, but I know he was a monk. He was some sort of religious man. So he was in a religious order of some sort. Um, when Martin Luther decided that he didn't believe anymore, he didn't believe in the real presence of Jesus in the Eucharist. And so he wrote what were called the 95 Thesis. He had a lot of other problems with the church and I'll give it to him. The church at the time was really corrupt. Like we all know, y'all, there's always going to be a Judas. Like, Think about the first apostles, like the first 12, like literally the night of Holy Thursday. We remember when Judas leaves and goes and gets the people who are going to kill Jesus and he brings them to the garden. Like there's always going to be a Judas, like the church isn't going to be perfect. It's always going to be corrupted by certain men, by certain people. And that's so sad, but that's not a reason to leave. However, Martin Luther decided that it was. And so for a lot of different reasons, he decided that he was going to break away from the church. And so the reason it's called the Protestant Reformation, um, like at least to the best of my understanding and what I've studied in school and in college in theology courses to protest something. So the word Protestant, like it has the word protest in it, like you are protesting something and you're reforming something in a new way. And so unfortunately, there was this division in the church that occurred during that time. And so Martin Luther had so many people that he took like away from the church, away from Christ's church that Christ had instituted at the Last Supper. Um, sorry, not at the Last Supper, but whenever Christ instituted his church um, with Peter on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, like and for 1500 years, like the church was good. And yes, you had some people leave, but it was so sad when Martin Luther left and you had all of these new Protestant denominations that have begun since then. Protestant, a term that I'm using that, again, to the best of my understanding, simply means a Christian who is not Catholic, who is not a part of the universal church that's been instituted by Christ. The way that one of my friends who um, grew up Methodist and she came into the church this past December, the way she put it, um, a huge part of her conversion, she was like, I couldn't get over how we left. Like we left. And another thing she shared with me, she was like, for me, it was always about the Eucharist. Wanting to understand the Eucharist, wanting to receive the Eucharist and not understanding how that wasn't a bigger deal for everyone. Exactly. <laughs> um, and so a way to hopefully help people 
think about the Eucharist in a different way, whether you're Catholic and just struggle to understand like what's up with the Eucharist or whether you're a Christian who's not a Catholic um, or maybe you're not even Christian at all, but to help you understand like the Eucharist and why it's such a big deal because I didn't even know why for so long in my life until I had this experience. So a couple years ago when I first thought about it like this, imagine your favorite rom-com, okay? Um, on Good Friday the other night, um, I watched the movie New Year's Eve for the first time, okay? <laughs> and it's so stupid, but at the same time, you love romantic comedies because your heart just goes out to these people and you're like, they just need to be together. Like, why aren't they together? Like, they're being so stupid. Like, why don't they just be honest about their feelings and like own up to how they're in love? And the whole movie, like you're just waiting for the climax and the climax is always the kiss, okay? So for example, in New Year's Eve, there are tons of different love stories in this movie that are going on and side stories and whatnot. But I'm just gonna use the example of these two people who end up getting stuck on an elevator. And so, you know, as you do when you're stuck in an elevator for eight hours, you start talking and you start sharing your life with this person and opening up, whatever. And literally right before the elevator starts working again, which they don't know is going to happen, they feel like in the last eight hours they've fallen in love. And so there, there like comes this moment and you're like, Oh my gosh, they're going to kiss. Like they're going to kiss and you just like want it to happen so bad because you're like, oh my gosh, they're so cute together, whatever, even though they just met. But you're like, that part of you like just wants that to happen. But then the elevator moves and they're like jolted out of, you know, this kind of reverie that they've been in. And then boom, like suddenly there are tons of people getting in the elevator and they're just like, wait, what just happened? And like the moment's gone. And so, like, you wait the whole rest of the movie, and finally, like, because she's gone off and done, done something else, so finally, like, the guy, like, runs to her, he, like, goes and finds her, and it's, like, really stupid, but he says, when he finally finds her, he's like, hey, you left this on the elevator, and then, like, kisses her, right? But just the fact that, like, he runs to her, and, like, he doesn't care what he looks like. Like the guy's literally in his pajamas. He was literally in his pajamas on the elevator. He doesn't even take the time to go change. Like he just knows he has to get to this girl because he loves her. And I know that's a stupid movie, but bear with me. And so he like runs to her. And when they finally kiss, there's just like this sense in you that like experiences like this deep relief. You're like, finally, like this satisfaction of like, yes, finally, like they kissed. And it's like that in like all these cheesy romance movies because that's always the climax. But there is that there's always something like at least in my heart that occurs during that kiss. And you're like, finally, like that's what I've been waiting for. Like you knew that that's what that was supposed to happen. That's what should have happened. Okay, moving on. So how that kind of compares to the Eucharist is. As Catholics, like we understand that there are so many amazing ways that we come close to Jesus. Like from the time that we're little, long before um, we're able to receive the Eucharist, whether that's second grade or whether that's a conversion to the faith when you're older, well before you receive the Eucharist, like there are these ways that you come closer to Jesus. 
and think about it kind of like those movies. You first get to know the person. Like, when are you first introduced to this person? Um, you share a little bit about your life together. Like, you learn about them. Um, and, like, only as time grows on do you grow deeper in your love and appreciation and knowledge of this person. And that's how it is whenever we come to know Jesus. Like, that's why we say we fall in love with Jesus is we are introduced to him. However, that occurs, whether that's through our family, whether that's through friends as we get older, maybe if we weren't raised in a Catholic or even Christian household. And then as we grow up, we start to have personal experiences where we first fall in love with Jesus. Like for me, when I was in eighth grade, leading up to my confirmation, it's also really windy. Can you hear the window shaking? Satan is trying to distract us and not today, Satan. In the name of Jesus, I reject you. Help me, Lord. Help me, Holy Spirit. Speaking of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, so eighth grade, I was going to be confirmed. I was going to receive the sacrament of confirmation. And leading up to that, I went on these two different retreats leading up to that. And one of them was the first time that I experienced the love of Jesus Christ in the Eucharist in adoration. So Jesus was exposed in the host in this beautiful golden monstrance on the altar. And there was praise and worship music playing. There was confession, the sacrament of confession available during that time. But I believe it was a sister who had helped on that retreat, who gave a little bit of an introduction on adoration beforehand and how Jesus has left us the gift of himself in the blessed sacrament and how he is just like pouring his loving gaze on each and every person. And then that's largely why he left us the Eucharist. And I actually heard this in a talk last week as well in a conference I've been a part of online. And it was just, again, um, this a priest this time reiterating that Jesus left us the Eucharist because he didn't want his love to be limited because whenever he was here walking on earth, he was limited to the Holy land. He had a human body. Like he was walking around, like he could only do so much when he was limited in that human way. And there's even a passage the priest had quoted about whenever Jesus first encountered Simon Peter and asked him to, if he could like get in his boat and if Peter could put out a little bit from the shore so that Jesus could see like everyone and talk to everyone. And so there's this understanding in Eucharistic adoration that Jesus is present there and he's able to shine his light and love on everyone. And that the Eucharist is not limited to a certain time or place either, but that in any Catholic church in the whole world where there is a tabernacle or where the Eucharist is exposed in a monstrance, you can go and be with Jesus and love him and adore him in a way that 2000 years ago, we weren't able to do when he was walking around on earth before he left us the gift of the Eucharist because he was limited in that way. And so for the first part of my life as a Catholic, I didn't understand the Eucharist and I didn't understand how that was really Jesus. And I still don't. Um, 
Because part of what makes our faith faith is that we don't understand it. I will never be able to understand how this small host is truly God. Present, body, blood, soul, and divinity. But I believe, and I believe for a lot of reasons. But how I understand that it is comparable (laughs) to a kiss is... I can get to know Jesus in all these different ways. And I did for the first part of my life. I learned about him from my family and my friends. I would pray to him on my own. I would read scripture. I would, I personally had this little saint book that I loved reading out of. Like there were so many different ways that I came to know and love Jesus. But when you receive the Eucharist, when you become fully united to Christ in that way by receiving him into yourself, that is like a kiss because only in that way are you actually united to another person. And it's very fitting um, and holy and beautiful if we think about it in that way because whenever we receive Jesus in the Eucharist, we receive him on the tongue, hopefully, Um, I know that some people receive him in the hand, but I just think it's really beautiful and reverent to receive Jesus, um, like straight on the tongue from the priest. And as he places like Jesus, whenever I receive him and like, I miss that so much. And I was thinking about this on Holy Thursday, like whenever I receive Jesus at mass, it's just like this sense of relief and this sense of like satisfaction and love that you only experience in the Eucharist and in that way. I don't know if that is your experience with the Eucharist. Maybe you haven't had a really personal encounter with Christ in the Blessed Sacrament. Maybe you don't believe that that's really Jesus present in the Blessed Sacrament. And if that's you, know that you're not alone, but also know that you don't have to understand to believe because I promise you it is true. And even just reflecting on my own life experiences, the happiest, most joyful and peaceful experiences I've ever had have been in the presence of the Blessed Sacrament, whether that was at a mass or whether that was adoring Jesus in adoration in the Blessed Sacrament in that way. But since I know that this is a lot, I want to give you some helpful tips on how to respond in your own life if you've gotten used to the Eucharist. Because let's be honest, up until a month ago, I think we were all probably in a pretty comfortable place regarding the Eucharist. Maybe you only ever went to mass on Sundays. Maybe you went to mass every single day. But even though I was doing that, it's still something that since you do it so often becomes kind of like a routine, becomes something that you just get used to. And I remember even before all of this happened, 
I was talking with my grandma one time and I was just like sharing with her how much it hurts my heart that people don't believe in the Eucharist or like don't go to adoration more often or don't go to mass more often because if we really believe that that's God himself, shouldn't we be like running to get there? Like people in these movies, like shouldn't we lay down our lives for him and everything? And we were just talking about how like people get used to the Eucharist. And this other thought came to me about how my grandparents have been married for over 50 years. They got married right out of high school. And don't you think that at this point in their lives, they've gotten used to each other. They know each other inside and out. Like they could probably tell you exactly what the person's going to respond to a question. You don't even need to ask both of them what they would want for dinner or what they would want from a certain restaurant because one of them will probably know the other person's order too. Like you get, you just get to know so much about a person by sharing so much of life with them. But that doesn't mean you love each other less. Like it's so sad how in our world nowadays, like people are so scared of commitment. They're so scared of marriage because they don't know if they can commit themselves to this one person or they feel like maybe once they do get married, they fall out of love with this other person. And I don't understand that because love is not a feeling. I promise you that my grandparents no longer experience like, I don't know, when the other one walks in the room, this like rush of emotion, like, oh my gosh, it's her or oh my gosh, it's him. And like, I love him. It's just like, oh, hey, will you take out the trash? Or thanks for taking out the trash. Or like, whatever. Like, it's so chill. And that's not because they love each other less. It's because they love each other more. Because the more you come to know someone and the deeper your relationship gets, the deeper that love grows. And love is not a feeling Love is a choice. It's willing the good of another. Christ himself has told us no greater love is there than this, than to lay down one's life for one's friends. And I just think about how my grandparents have done that their entire life. They've sacrificed so much for each other, for their children, and now for their grandchildren. When you love someone you will get used to them. And that doesn't mean you love them less. It means you love them more because now you don't have these feelings, these like superficial, not superficial, maybe just surface level, like initial feelings. There's no like honeymoon stage anymore. Now it's, oh my gosh, this person never cleans up after themselves. Or, oh my gosh, this person never helps me wash the dishes. Like the quirks that you start learning about each other over time that make it hard to love because now you have to choose even when you don't want to love them to have a conversation with them honestly and openly like, hey, I noticed that you do this. Would you mind helping me out more? Or, hey, I noticed you do this. How can I help you with this? 
it's a growth in love. It's an invitation to love. And in the same way, maybe for those of us who have grown up in the church and who've grown up Catholic or who have just gotten used to the Eucharist, what an invitation for us to realize that every time we go to Mass and every time we go to adoration, it doesn't matter if I don't feel anything. It doesn't matter if I don't immediately have this rush of love or like this sense, like I'm just overwhelmed because, oh my gosh, that's Jesus. Because I've gotten to know him so much and because we've gotten so close and so familiar, it's now a choice to have to love him. And he loves me all the more for that. And he loves me all the more maybe when I show up to mass when I don't want to. Or when I know that I'm in a state of mortal sin and I cannot rightly receive him in the Eucharist and I have to stay in my pew during communion or I have to go up with my arms folded across my chest because I know I have to go to confession before the next time I receive the Eucharist. And it's these little moments that are hard that make us increase in holiness the most because it's more about a choice not about a feeling. But all of that to say what to do when you've gotten used to the Eucharist. I have three tips for you guys. And I'm actually going to read them out of this notebook that I have. So if I'm not looking at you, it's not because I don't care. I just don't want to forget. So number one, remember God. So what to do when you've gotten you used to the Eucharist. Number one, remember God. And there are lots of ways that you can do this. So even if I don't walk into church or even if I'm not like totally focused all through mass or even at the moment of consecration when she, when the priest actually holds up the host, the bells ring, and he says the prayers that like actually transform the Eucharist into the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. Like even if I don't feel anything in that moment, I encourage you, like, remember God in those moments. Remind yourself that you know this is true. Maybe ways that you can recall that. Um, there are so many stories of Eucharistic miracles. Like, literally, if you just Google them, or even if you look in the description below, I'll include a lot of different links to different Eucharistic miracles. There have been so many stories of even, of even priests who have come to doubt that the Eucharist is truly Jesus Christ, body, blood, soul, and divinity. And there are so many miracles that have occurred where the Eucharist has started bleeding in the middle of mass or when the host actually transforms into human flesh. Like you guys, this isn't made up. This isn't something that I'm just like telling you about because I think it's cool and I like made it up five minutes ago. Like it's real, it's real. Like these miracles, they've occurred. Look them up. Like if you have any trace of doubt in your own heart, like look them up and believe because there have been other people like you. Trust me, I've been there too. Like other people who like doubt or at least question and God has answered their prayers. Look them up. Like remember God, remember these miracles that he has left us. Um, 
Also bring to mind your own profound experiences. You're not gonna have a profound Eucharistic experience every mass unless you're like Padre Pio or some super up there holy saint. I'm not there yet. I don't know about you. You're probably not there yet. If you are, please talk to me. I would love to meet you if you have like profound experiences every mass or if you levitate or bilocate or cool things like that. I'd love to meet you. Wow. Um, but like for most of us, that's not going to happen, but the Lord is still good to us. And if you think back on your life, he's probably given you great experiences of his presence in the Eucharist, but maybe you just weren't paying attention at the time. Um, I want to share two really quick examples with you guys. Um, and one is from my experience at mass. And then one is an experience in adoration that I've had before. And so the mass experience was actually almost exactly a week or a year ago this week, because it was last year on divine mercy Sunday. I was in Kansas city. I was visiting some friends and I went to mass at the diocesan shrine of divine mercy there. It's called our lady of good counsel parish beautiful parish, beautiful church. Oh my goodness gracious. It was amazing. I didn't walk in expecting to have some profound Eucharistic experience. And that's another like sure way to tell that it's like the Holy Spirit at work in you is when you're not looking for these things and then they just happen. And so I was just like walking to mass with my friends, like just expecting, you know, like a normal Sunday mass, like it's going to be good, but I might not like remember it for the rest of my life, but I'll never forget this mass for the rest of my life because there was just this profound moment during the consecration. So when the priest held Jesus up initially as the host, but as soon as he said the words of consecration, like as the host transformed into Jesus, even if I couldn't see that happening, even if I didn't think I could feel that happening. I was just overwhelmed all of a sudden with this sense of peace. Like I felt like my soul was just transcended. And as I like looked up at God, as I looked up at our Lord in the blessed sacrament, this thought just arose in my heart and it was that. That's all I want forever. More than I want a husband, more than I want a job, more than I want anything else in life. Jesus, I just want you. This is enough. And it was so profound and so beautiful. And after that mass, I was just full of joy because I was like, Honestly, like nothing else matters. Like, not like I'm just going to give up living life. Like that wasn't the point of it, but just this reminder of God's presence and grace in my life. And that no matter what else happens, he's got me and he is more important than anything else. And he is going to provide. It was amazing. So sometimes whenever, even though I don't get to go to mass right now in person, um, when I'm live streaming mass or when I do get to go back to mass, like even if I'm not having a profound experience every day, 
I can bring to mind this mass or other masses that I've experienced where there was just this moment where I knew, like by God's grace, I just knew that that was Jesus. I knew he was present in the blessed sacrament and I knew he was enough. That was one experience. Um, but as far as adoration goes, even if you're not receiving him in communion, like in the full sense of that. <laughs> Sorry, words are hard, guys. Um, even if you're not receiving him in that way in the Eucharist, when you're before him in adoration, just his love and mercy that pour forth from his Eucharistic gaze penetrates your heart. And so many saints have attested to this, and I will attest to this too. It is true. There are revelations that he will give you in his presence in the Blessed Sacrament that you just will not experience anywhere else. And one of one of mine, as silly as it might sound, um, it was either sophomore... Yeah, I think it was sophomore year of college. I was home for Christmas break and I was in the middle of discerning um, two upcoming job applications. And the first one that I was discerning was what job was I going to have that upcoming summer? And I had been discerning this missionary experience called Totus Tuus that I think I've spoken about in previous episodes, but all you need to know is it's an amazing missionary experience. And I had had friends who were totus to us missionaries before, but it was something I was discerning for myself. And then the second was whether or not I wanted to become a residential assistant that upcoming year of college. So my junior year, um, did I want to be an RA in a dorm? So I was like discerning those two things because both applications were going to be due um, like the totus, the totus tuus one for the summer was going to be due that Christmas break. Um, the RA one, I would have a little bit more time to decide on, but it was also like going to come up pretty fast in the next several weeks. So I went to adoration one day and I don't know if I went in like praying about those things specifically or if they were just on the back of my mind as I was in adoration. But at the time, um, I've been watching a lot of Parks and Rec because that used to be my favorite show. So if you're familiar at all with Parks and Rec, you know April Ludgate. If you're not familiar with Parks and Rec, all you need to know is April is sass defined. It, she's the epitome of sass and sarcasm. But she's so real. That's one thing that I always appreciated about her character and loved about her character was that she was always going to be honest, straight up, tell you how it was. And that day in adoration, I kid you not, it's not like I had a vision. I, I didn't. Um, but sometimes like, you know how in your imagination, like you just imagine things. So uh, like in, in, my, in my imagination, like I had this vision of April Ludgate, like come to mind. Because I was having all these doubts about Totus Tuus and about being an RA. And as I'm sitting in adoration, I just like hear April in my mind telling me like, Morgan, are you serious? Like, why is it taking you so long to decide about these things? One, 
how to steer us. Like it's literally working with kids and loving Jesus. Like, I don't get why you would want to do that because I hate kids personally. Like April in my mind saying all of this, she's like, I hate kids, but you like love kids and you love God and you're going to get paid. So like, why would you not do it? Slash you get to travel a lot and that'll be really cool. And you get to meet new people and whatever you like doing that too. Don't get it. But like you do. So why is this so hard? Like it should be a, no, a no brainer. And as far as being an RA, again, you are weird. You like helping people. And as an RA, you're going to help a lot of people. And again, you're going to get paid a lot. Like why not? Like you'll be good at it. So you need to just stop beating around the bush and just like apply. You might not even get it, but just yeah, stop worrying so much. And it was so funny because literally, I kid you not, you guys, like that day I went home from adoration and was like, okay, I'm going to apply for both of these things. And I did. And sure enough, both of the experiences were incredible and I would never undo them for anything. And like they changed my life and literally all because I went to adoration and had this like image of April Ludgate come to mind and she like sassily told me what to do. And you guys, you can like be sarcastic all you want or skeptical, sorry, all you want, but I believe that that was God. And God is not like so far beyond us. Like God comes and meets you where you're at. Whether that's like mass at some random church that's not even your parish, whether that's Adoration Chapel, when he brings like some random reference to mind from a TV show or movie that you love. Like God is not so far beyond you that he is not going to come to you and meet you where you're at. But it's especially in his Eucharistic presence in mass and in adoration where he's able to do that. So what to do when you've gotten used to the Eucharist? Number one, remember God. Number two, forget yourself. At the very beginning of the Lenten season every year on Ash Wednesday, we hear the words, remember you are dust and to dust you shall return. Which is what God tells Adam in the very first book of the Bible in Genesis. He talks about how like you're nothing without me. Um, John 15, five, talking about like, Jesus is the vine, we're the branches. Like, we're nothing without Jesus. Like, we can't survive without him. And in the same way, we can't survive without the Eucharist, at least to the extent that he allows us to partake in it, which lately has been hurting a lot, not having that. I don't know about you, but for me, he's still continuing to bless my life. But I, I really feel that lack of sacramental grace. As I told you about, like, near the beginning of this episode, last Thursday, like, just weeping, not being able to receive him, just broke my heart. Because without him, I'm nothing. Nothing. So remember him, number one, but also forget yourself. And that without him... There's no point to anything. The Eucharist truly is the source and summit of the Christian life. Just like my friend who has recently converted attested to. 
Like for her, it was all about the Eucharist. It should be about the Eucharist for all of us. And number three, when in doubt, pray it out. Again, we don't have to understand something for it to be true. I don't understand how gravity works, but I don't get to decide. I don't get to decide that it's not real. Just because I don't understand the Eucharist doesn't mean that I don't get to decide, don't get to decide that it's not real. Just because I haven't grown up in the church doesn't mean that like once I'm convicted that this is the truth, that I'm able to not fully seek the truth of Christ as it's been revealed. When in doubt, pray it out. Like St. Thomas, um, St. Thomas the Apostle, he was the only one present or not present whenever Jesus first appeared to the apostles after his resurrection. And we are all familiar probably with the Doubting Thomas story and how Thomas didn't believe and how he said, like, unless I put my hands in his side, like, unless this, unless that. And Jesus did in his mercy and love, like, appear to Thomas and he's like, here you go. Like, go for it. Gross, but okay. Um, and Thomas just overwhelmed saying, my Lord and my God. That's actually something that at every mass I've started doing at the moment of consecration. First, when um, Jesus and the host is held up the body. And then whenever the chalice is raised and the wine's trans transformed into the blood of Christ. Um, in my mind, I say, my Lord and my God. Because I don't feel anything. Like, even though I believe that that's true and what's happening so often I feel like Thomas and I'm just like, Lord, I don't get it. And so usually I follow that um, short prayer of St. Thomas with, Lord, I believe, but I don't understand. Or I don't understand, but I believe. Hillsong has an amazing line in this song that I've quoted so many times throughout different episodes, but it is just so good. Their song, New Wine, when they say, when I trust you, I don't need to understand. Amen. <laughs> like, I will never understand Jesus, but I believe. I believe this to be true because, fun fact, um, if you maybe still doubt or like, I just don't know how this could be true. I just don't understand the Eucharist, Morgan. I encourage you. Um Get out your Bible. Go to John chapter 6. Start with verse 22. Um, this is called the bread of the bread from heaven, otherwise known as the bread of life discourse. And in it, specifically um, from like, I'd say verse 35 through mm, 59, um, Jesus just keeps repeating to his disciples, like, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. I am the living bread which comes down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread which I shall give for the life of the world is my flesh. And you guys, he says this several times. And whenever I was studying this um, in college, our professor pointed out, like, literally, Jesus repeats it so many times. And like in the original translation, the words literally mean like to gnaw or chew. Like Jesus was like 
no, I'm actually saying eat. Like, I'm not just talking about like me being the son of God and me being like the word of life, but like the bread of life. Like, I want to be united with you in this way. And this is how it's going to be possible. And it even says, verse 52, the Jews then disputed among themselves saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? To the point where verse 60 says, many of his disciples, when they heard it said, this is a hard saying, who can listen to it? Verse 66, after this, many of his disciples drew back and no longer walked with him. Like you guys, that literally makes me think of Martin Luther, of people throughout the course of history who just because they, they cannot accept the teaching of the Eucharist, they leave. And that's so sad because this is Jesus himself, like Christ himself has instituted this sacrament like Christ himself wants to be united to his children in this way. And it breaks his heart when they reject him. I can just imagine like Jesus crying after he says all this. And then it says, verse 67, he looks to the 12 and asks, will you also go away? Simon Peter, my man, <laughs> verse 68, answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. So what to do when you've gotten used to the Eucharist? Remember God. Forget yourself. And when in doubt, pray it out. My challenge for all of you this week, whether or not you are Catholic, whether or not you are Christian, whether or not you believe me or believe the Eucharist to be true, I challenge you this. If you care about your faith, if you care about God at all, or even if you don't and you just want to prove me wrong, here's my challenge to you. Run to him. Run to him this week. Even if we're not able to go to mass, find the nearest Catholic church, find the nearest adoration chapel and run to him. And I challenge you to pray in front of the blessed sacrament in front of Jesus and be like, Lord, if you are real, like I beg you, show me or help me to believe even if I don't understand because I want to, and I want a closer relationship with you. I want you to run to him, picture, again, your favorite rom-com, whether <laughs> it just so happens that in New Year's Eve, like, which is the movie I keep thinking of, it's Ashton Kutcher's character that I'm like referencing, but think, think of your favorite rom-com. I don't care who it is. Like you can imagine Ryan Gosling, you can imagine Ryan Reynolds, um, from like the notebook or from the proposal. Like, I don't care. Favorite rom-com, favorite actor. Like, who would you want to be running after you? Okay, you're that person. Run to Christ this week. And even if you have to wait for that kiss, like even if you have to wait to receive him in the Eucharist, whether that's because you're a Catholic and you just can't, currently can't go to mass, whether you 
are preparing to enter into the church and weren't able to because the Easter masses were canceled and you have yet to receive Jesus in the Eucharist, or even if you have just never believed in the Eucharist before, but want to receive him so much and try, try to run to him and try to ask for his graces to help you on that way, whatever that looks like for you. Rest assured that Jesus wants to be united with you in that way more than you do. And that he will allow that to happen in his time and in his way. And it will be a a sweeter ending than any rom-com because it will be real. And the reason it's so awesome is is because it is a foretaste of heaven when we will all be united with him forever and always. I just saw that I hit an hour. This is a new record for joy and hope. Um, But how fitting, because if the Eucharist is the most important thing we could ever talk about, then I am so glad to have shared about it for over an hour. Because that's how much Jesus means to me. And as we end today, and as we pray together, um, I ask in a special way, in the name of Jesus, that you, whoever you are watching this video, will run to him this week, and that he, in his mercy and his love, will give you the grace to believe in him, in his Eucharistic presence, in a way that you never have before. And even if you already believe in this presence, that it will only be deepened and heightened um, and made even more awesome and perfect this week. All for the greater glory of God. Amen. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you guys so much for joining me this week. Thank you so much for watching. If you made it all the way to the end, God bless you. You are stronger than most. Um, And also thank you again for everyone. who supports joy and hope. I've been overwhelmed this Easter season by the new life that has been given to this ministry. I'm so excited to see what the Lord does with this. If you have not already found out, um, we are releasing videos every Monday, but also now corresponding podcasts. So check it out um, on SoundCloud and iTunes. On SoundCloud, search my name, Morgan Mueller, and look for the Joy and Hope logo. But on iTunes, just search the Joy and Hope podcast and it should come up. Joy and Hope, all being one word. See below in the description for any links or anything that you maybe missed. And as always, please like, comment, subscribe. If you haven't already, help me to hit those goals by the end of the Easter season. And may the Lord give you his peace this week. God bless y'all. And until next time, bye. Thanks so much for joining us today on the Joy and Hope podcast. 
where we seek to bring light to the dark. If you enjoy our mission, we would love for you to become a patron on Patreon. Our patrons are what make it possible for us to continue doing joy and hope full-time, bringing you the inspiring creative content that uplifts you to live more joyful, hopeful lives. So please consider supporting us. Thanks so much for being here today. God bless and see you next time.